Let's go right to our text that we've been using every week. Only be strong, there it went, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Now watch this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, say then, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. How many wants 218 to be a year of prosperity? And I don't just mean money in your bank. I'm talking about the blessed life. As Pastor Brad has shared with us that how many knows life? How many likes to have money? Amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> all right. But how many's found out that life isn't all just money, that sometimes you don't need more money. You need some joy. You need some peace. You, you need some health. You need a marriage whole. You need children back in the home. You, there's so many things that's involved in this thing called the blessed life. And so Pastor Brad has taken us on a three-week journey, been phenomenal teaching. He talked about us all about the heart. That what we do with what God has given us, whether it's our tangible money, whether it's our gifts, no matter what it is, what we do with what God has given us tells us the true condition of our heart. What do we do with it? Then he talked about the first fruit, the tithe, how that determines. That tells God where our heart really is. Do we give him the first? Because if he gets the first, he said, I'll bless the rest. And then last week, what a powerful message on generosity. And he kept using two words, if and then, and this is what this passage really says, if you meditate on the scriptures and obey what is written in them, if you meditate and obey the word of God, then, say then, then then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The condition, the precondition of having a blessed life is the if. If I meditate on Scripture and obey what is written within them. How many know Jesus said obedience is better than sacrifice? God doesn't need my money, nor does he need my talent. He just wants my obedience. And when I give him my obedience with what he has blessed me with, he says, then I will be prosperous and successful in life. And I want to go on a journey today, and I'm just going to take you on a journey with me. And that's why you don't have notes. I just want you to go with me. And we're going to go to the 23rd Psalm. And I want to take you on a journey through this psalm because as I was up in the deer woods in Kentucky hunting and and knowing I was going to share this week, I really had a different message I was going to talk about. But then God began to deal with me about the 23rd Psalm and how it just brings this whole series together of the blessed life, being blessed. Read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, it runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many would agree with me that's the blessed life right there? Come on, somebody. 
If, if all of those take place in our life and we understand them, we're experiencing the blessed life. And so I want to take you on a journey because David, the psalmist, he represents us in this psalm as Christians in receiving the benefits, the care, the, the tenderness, and the blessings of the great shepherd, Jesus. And today, I want to talk to you about that, the good shepherd. Let's go verse by verse and just statement by statement in the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right there's the blessed life. Because you see, David the psalmist was a shepherd himself, and so he understood what it meant to be the shepherd as much as being the sheep. And David understood that he watched over his sheep. He made sure that they were taken care of, protected, provided for. All his sheep had to do was hang close to him, and life was wonderful. It was only when they strayed away that danger came and situations came. But as long as they stayed near the shepherd, life was taken care of. And David is saying the same. The Lord is now my shepherd. I shall not walk. He even said it later on in Psalms 10, 11. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And David is saying, the Lord is now my shepherd. As I'm a shepherd to the sheep, the Lord is now my shepherd. And I'll lack or want nothing as long as I stay near him and near his presence. The great Matthew Henry, he put it like this. He said, let not those fear starving that are at God's finding and have him for their feeder. I shall be supplied with whatever I need. And if I have not everything I desire, I may conclude that it is either not fit for me or not good for me, or I shall have it in due time. Come on, somebody. How many is glad that the Lord is your shepherd this morning and you shall not want? As long as I'm near my shepherd, he's making sure that I have full provision, protection, and all the needs of my, le- my life are being taken care of and I'll lack or need nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. What would the shepherd do? He would take his sheep and he would not just lock them in a fenced area, but he would move them from pasture to pasture. He led them. How many found this out? The difference between a shepherd and a herdsman is a herdsman drives his cattle, but a shepherd leads his sheep. Because cattle don't follow a herdsman, but sheep follow their shepherd. And he leads us into green pastures, which means that these are pastures that have not become bare. They've not become dry. They're not barren. They're they're not parched places, but they're places of rest. And they're places of provision. Because green pastures means it's a new grass. He's moved us to a place that has not been taken over yet. The green grass is new, fresh sprouts of grass. They're full of nutrition. They're full of life. They're full of fulfillment. And the shepherd, uh, he guides us. And the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd. I'll lack nothing. I want nothing. He's leading me into pastures that are green and nourishing and flourishing that I can find rest and safety and I can find fulfillment in life and can I tell you this this morning I've learned it in my 59 years of walking this earth if you stay close to the shepherd and you stop questioning where he's taking you and just follow him he'll guide you into green pastures where you'll find rest safety and the nourishment that you need in your life the psalmist declared it in Psalms 84 11 for the Lord God 
is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk blameless. And today, if you're going to live the blessed life, we talked about our part in giving. We talked about our part in generosity. And it's a true part. That's a major part in the blessed life. But I want to tell you, if you don't understand the good shepherd, you're not involved in all of those things. But if we can bring this at the end to just kind of embrace the whole teaching today, that when we stay close to the shepherd, he's giving us everything we need. So he says in Corinthians 9, I'm going to give to you so you can give more back. And when you do that, I'm going to give you more so you can give more back, so that you can win more to the kingdom. You can feed more that are hungry. You can clothe more that are naked. You can make impact in more people's life. When you understand the provision, the safety of the shepherd, all of a sudden there's an assurance that as I involve myself, in the blessed life and in generosity I have a shepherd that's going to continually guide me to green pastures he's going to provide every need that I have he leads me beside the still waters this is really unique because still waters as Pastor Brad shared the other last Sunday become stagnant nobody wanted to drink from the still waters did they because it became diseased and contaminated but that's not what the psalmist was saying The psalmist said he leads me beside the still waters. And what he would do is he would go to the rapids that were rushing down. And because the moving water developed pure water that the sheep could drink from. But sheep are not intelligent. And they would go down to the rapids to try to drink and they would be swept away. And so what the shepherd would do is he would go find large boulders. And he would go out and he would build a five, ten foot dam in the rapids. And though the rapid water is moving and keeping it pure, there was a safe place. There was a place of safety that he leads me beside the still waters that in the midst of the rapids, the shepherd, he developed a still place that the sheep could come and drink from and find the nourishment that they need. And that's what our shepherd is doing for us this morning. How many would agree with me? We're living in a chaotic world. We're living in a society filled with chaos and confusion and hate and division and all of these things to get us moving around and and the rapids of life and the, the the speed of life today just consumes us. But what our shepherd does is in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of the rapids, he's building a still waters, a place that you and I can come, that we can walk in this building this morning and lift our hands to a holy God and a place of peace and rest. But it's not just on Sunday morning. You can do it in your automobile on the way to work tomorrow. You'll find a still place in that hospital room next to a bed of someone that's about to leave you. You'll find that still place when the banker says they're going to take Take over your house, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. When that doctor says you're going to die and not get well, but he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquity, the chastisement of my peace was placed upon him, and by his stripes I am healed. He'll come in the midst of your chaos, confusion, and he'll develop a still place that you can come and find rest, safety, and drink of the nourishment of his word. Blessed life. He restores my soul. He recovers me when I'm sick. Come on, somebody been there? He receives me when I'm tired. He embraces me when I'm weary and he picks me up when I'm faint. 
God's mercies anew every morning. His grace is sufficient for my every need. When I wander from Him or His presence, He looks me up and He finds me. And when I stumble and fall, He picks me up and embraces me. When in rebellion and in stubbornness, He offers both forgiveness and discipline in my life to heal me because God loves me too much to let me go. And He loves me too much to let me get by. And what the shepherd would do when he had that little sheep that wouldn't listen and he kept straying off and and the shepherd had to go rescue him from the wolves. Eventually, the shepherd would go, you're not learning, and he would break the leg of that sheep. Then he would bind it up and he would carry that sheep in his arms because that sheep had to learn that there's danger out there and discipline had to take place. And how many's glad that you have a good shepherd this morning that loves you enough that he won't let you get by and he loves you enough that he won't let you go? And he says that he's restoring my soul. He wants to come and bring power, restoration. And he wants to come. And every day of your life, when you're walking in the blessed life, you're fulfilling the if and you're experiencing the then, there is a restoration of our soul. How many loves Jesus more today than you did yesterday? Because he's restoring my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Can I tell you, God's more interested in his name than he is your fame? I said God's more interested in his name than he is your fame. That he comes in and the Bible says that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He will test my faith, but he will never tempt us with sin. He will be the persistent and consistent in guiding us into only that which brings fulfillment and glory to him and his name. The psalmist again declares in Psalm 16:1, he says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Are you seeing the journey that the psalmist is saying the good shepherd wants to take us on? The Lord is my shepherd. I want nothing. He leads me into green pastures. He's got provision, health, rest. He takes me to still waters. There's a safe place regardless of the situations and the conditions of my life that he wants to bless me with. And he's restoring my soul because sickness comes, opposition comes, conflict comes, trials come, disappointments come to steal our song, to steal our joy, to steal our faith, to take away our hope. But Jesus comes daily and he restores me and I get to wake up every day and say regardless of what happened yesterday this is the day that you have made and I choose to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it Uh, today's a good day my soul is being restored that I'm reminded of the if so I can enjoy the then then he says yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil For you are with me, your rod and your staff, you comfort me. He said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, meaning that there's no substantial evil or power in it. Because you see, a shadow alone has no power. But for there to be a shadow, there has to be a light. And for there to shadow, there has to be an object. And what David the psalmist said, and I use this so often in funerals, that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because I see the light. 
I know the light. I've met the light. He's restoring my soul every day. He's taken me to still waters. He's put me in green pastures. He's provided my every need. I know the light. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because death is the object, Jesus is the life. There's a shadow being cast, but you and I get to walk through that valley of the shadow of death. And we fear no evil because you, the light, are with us. And everybody look at me right now. If you don't have to fear death, you fear nothing at all. Come on, somebody. I said, if you don't have to fear death, you don't have to fear finances. You don't have to fear health. You don't have to fear this. You don't have to fear that. If you've got death conquered, you've got life conquered. Come on here. Are you with me this morning? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The psalmist said, I don't fear evil. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I was just in Kentucky, as you know, I was deer hunting. And on Sunday morning, I received that phone call that I never thought I would get. And, and Pastor, one of your best friends just died of a heart attack. I, I blew my mind. 54 years old and great health. His family's with us today. Great, great friend. This church would not be in existence today without Barry Rogers. Apostle Ross Knight and Barry Rogers, in the darkest moment of my life, they came to my rescue. They walked me through. They were my Abishai's. They walked me through the darkest moments of my life, the most painful moments of my life. And this church wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them. And I remember getting on a plane and coming home to do the funeral service of my friend. But in that funeral service, in the midst of a family that out of nowhere was a loss of a father, a loss of a dad, a loss of a husband, a loss of a pawpaw, on that front row, in the midst of that ceremony, as the singing was going on, the worship going on to God, I watched a wife and two sons and a daughter-in-law and a grandson stand up and lift their hands to God and begin to celebrate and give God praise and glory in the midst of tears, in the midst of unanswered questions, in the midst of all the confusion that's going on. There was the ability to say, you are still God, you are still good, and you always do exactly what's right. And in the midst of that, the psalmist said, I can walk through that valley of the shadow of death and I don't have to fear because to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And then I love this. He said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You see, the table was known as a place of relationships a place for family and friends, a place where businesses were started, contracts and agreements were signed, a table pre prepared providing convenience for you and I because there was no labor required on our part. Just sit, just relax, and enjoy the meal that has been intentionally prepared for you and I. A table spread, a cup filled, a meal for our hunger, drink for our thirst. Not a table randomly set, but one prepared to meet specific needs of mine in your life. He said, I have prepared a table for you. I know the needs of your life, and I prepared a meal that's going to meet that need that you have in your life. I have a table prepared for you. Not just a table randomly set, 
but a table intentionally prepared by God in the presence of your enemies. And some of your enemies are addiction. And some of your enemies are oppression. And some of your enemies are depression. And some of your enemies are oppression and poverty and weariness. But God said, I prepared a table before you in the very presence of your enemies. You know what he's saying? I want depression. I want what's on you to see you now. I want to show you off in front of that addiction that used to own you and destroy your life. I want to show you off in front of that depression that used to own your mind and control your thoughts and your sleep. I want to show you off in front of that oppression and that weariness and that poverty. You didn't know how to give, but now you've learned the secret. And now you're receiving back and you're watching the favor of God flourish in your life. And God says, I want to show you off in front of that poverty. I want to show you off. The devil told you you would never be anybody. You would never amount to anything but you're greeting at a door on a Sunday morning and whipping people into the presence of God you're serving in the children's ministry and changing children's life and God's saying I prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies he didn't say my enemies he said in your enemies he said I prepared a table I've intentionally set a table in front of your enemies so I can show off my handiwork in your life and declare the glory of God in front of those that tried to destroy you. Come on, somebody. But here's the problem. Remember, the table was a place of relationships. Remember if and then. The table was a place that was sacred. The family gathered around the table. But you know what we do? We come in our house from a day of work. And guess where we put our stuff? Yeah, you know, our purse, our bag. You know, the things that we thought we couldn't go without today, we throw them on the table. And, and you know, our keys, yeah, we toss them over there too. You, you know, our keys, the places that we have to go, the things that we have to get done. And if we have time when we get home, we'll sit at the table. But living rooms have replaced tables. And, and then we throw our glasses over on the table when we're walking by. You know, they represent the things that we looked at today. That the enemy is set in front of our eyes to distract us from God's blessing and provision. And then all oh, these things that own us, we don't toss them, we lay them down. Because God knows we can't live without it tomorrow. You know what that represents? The people that we let talk us out of our blessing. The negative voices and the naysayers but we got to give them our ear. Then our iPads and our computers, we lay them down too. Because God knows if our car breaks down, we'll get a Uber. <laughs> but the problem is today, many of your social life is your social media. And that's why you have no favor and blessing in your life. Because the table's been prepared, and oh, our wallet, I forgot our wallet, dear God. That church asking for another dollar. Where we spend our money is where we spend our life. You see, the table's spread. We just can't enjoy it because of all the clutter that we've let the enemy bring into our life. And Jesus said, I prepared a table in front of your 
addiction, but you want to know why you keep struggling with your addiction? Because you've got too much clutter on your table. You want to know why you keep battling oppression? You've got too much clutter on your table. You, you want to know why fear continues to own you? Too much clutter on the table because I prepared a table before you in the presence of your, in your enemy. I prepared a table before you in the presence of your addiction, in the presence of your fear, in the presence of your oppression, the presence of your poverty. I prepared a table that will supply every need of your life, but you're not enjoying the blessing because you keep throwing too much clutter on the table and you're missing the relationship that the table represents with me. You see a place prepared at the table for you because God is more interested in your position than he is your condition. God's more interested in you being an heir and a joint heir and a priest and a king in his kingdom and have a seat at the table. How many would join me today and say, I have no right at this table. I have no right to be at this table. I was messed up. I was broken. I was lost. I was abandoned. I was worthless, they told me. Why would he prepare a table for me? But he said, I prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I want to show off my work that I'm doing in your life. He said, but you got to get the clutter out because I'm more interested in your position in me than I am the condition that you brought to the table. How many is thankful that God's more interested in your position than he is your condition? That your condition does not eliminate your seat. It's your condition that got you a right at the table because he wanted to provide for you in your time of need. You see us, Transformation Church, we intentionally set a table every Sunday. It's not haphazardly. We do it on purpose. Every Sunday we have a menu. It's no God. Find freedom. Discover purpose. And go make a difference. It's a menu every Sunday. It's like McDonald's. Once you know it, it's there. Taking people from where they are to where God wants them to be. And we've got to come and understand. And what we want you to see is every Sunday... We're going to come here on Sunday morning. You bring your lost friends, your lost loved ones, and many it was you. And thank God, in the last 11 months, we've seen over 170 to 180 people commit their lives to Christ here on Sunday morning that turned in the Connect card. They said, I want to know God, and many of them were you. Step one in the menu is know God. Number two is find freedom. We do that through small groups and we encourage you to get in a small group and through relationships and sitting at the table and fellowshipping and coming in early on a Sunday and getting a cup of coffee and talking and fellowshipping with those that you've hung out with throughout the week in small groups and building relationships and accountability. Discover your purpose. We do that every Sunday morning after the second service in our Grow Track room. And we help identify the gifts and the passions that God has placed within you. Because 87% of those even in the church have never discovered their purpose. And listen to your pastor today. You will never walk out true freedom until you've discovered your purpose and you're operating in it. And there you find the freedom because you've discovered your purpose. And then you go make a difference. And every Sunday, we have two services here on purpose. We could put everyone in here on one Sunday at adult-wise. We couldn't children. But we could put all of our adults in here. But we don't do that because we want to give every one of you the opportunity to sit in a service and sit at the table and do nothing but receive. 
And then go to the other service and do nothing but get up from the table and put on a robe and go greet at a door and do security and run the video and sing on the stage and work with the children and serve in the haven and make coffee for people to drink. And all of it together creates an atmosphere and a table that your lost family and your lost friends can come and taste and know that God is good. He said a table's been spread. He said, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Samuel anointed David king and promising future favor. And David is declaring that God is anointing him with present favor and blessing in such abundance that it overflows to his family and his friends because when they anointed the king in those days, they didn't do what we do today is just tap a little oil. Nah, man, you got the whole thing. You know what I'm talking about? I mean the whole thing. And it, the Bible said that the oil ran from Aaron, the high priest, from his head to his feet. The oil covered him. And that's what David was saying your blessings are so overwhelming that they cover me from my head to my feet come on somebody identify what I'm talking about today he said your blessings are abundant God they're abundant you're the good shepherd surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever surely your goodness your goodness your goodness. What is goodness? Goodness is undeserved and unexpected favor. Anybody in here had any of that happen in your life? Unexpected favor. Unexpected blessing. He said, surely your, your, your goodness, undeserved, unexpected favor. Surely your mercy, pardon from what I do deserve. Surely your goodness and your mercy. I woke up this morning. I didn't do so good yesterday, but God, thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. God, I, God, I could have done better, but thank you, God, for that raise, that promotion. Thank you, Lord, for that healing. Thank you, God, for ministering in my family. Thank you for bringing my lost son, daughter home. Thank you, God, for your favor in my life, God. Surely goodness and mercy. And what does that mean? No matter where you are, you can look behind you, and there's two little people running behind you every day goodness on one side mercy on the other side and God the good shepherd is saying no matter where you are he said if you make your bed in hell I'll follow you there surely goodness and mercy's coming to take you out you go get in that barn get half lip goodness and mercy's coming to walk you out you go goon get your hands in wrong things goodness and mercy is coming to take you out because God never takes away your chair at the table your rod and your staff that rod and staff you comfort me he says you comfort me surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever what's he saying there when death calls it doesn't end it just starts over again because then, then, surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. And then when that life is over, a good life, a blessed life, when it's over, then I will dwell in your presence with you forever. Come on, somebody. It's a blessed life. It's the blessed life. It starts here on earth and it goes all the way to heaven. My sister... Shirley Curran, she's in heaven with Quintina singing, and I can see Barry up there driving them both crazy right now. Sing, sister, sing. My buddy Barry's in heaven. Tears still flow. 
There's still a void in our life. I know in his family. Our sister, her aunt, one of the sweetest ladies, been a member of our church. She came here for Sundays and Sundays. She's in hospice right now. She could leave us at any moment, but what a joy we have in the midst of our tears that we don't mourn as those who have no hope. But if we believe that Jesus died and he rose again, he will return. He'll bring those with him. And today we have this life called hashtag blessed. It says, God has blessed me. I'm going to learn to give back and give back through my money, through my talents, through my gifts, through my time. I want to change lives. I want to impact the world with the hope of Jesus. In the midst of that, he's taken care of me all the way through the journey because he's my good shepherd. In Jesus' name, bow your heads. Father, I thank you today, Lord, for your grace. I thank you, God, for your love today. I thank you, Father, that you've promised us, Lord, that we're not on this journey alone. God, we have a good shepherd that's walking with us. You're watching over us. You're providing for us. God, we thank you today in this house, God. We're so grateful and thankful for your blessings, for your favor. God, I pray right now for one that might be in this building that would say, Pastor Dan, today I just need Jesus in my life. I'm, I'm not where I need to be with God. I'm away from him, and today I realize that he's a good shepherd, and he never left me. I left him, and today I I just need to come home. I just, I need to restore that relationship, or maybe you've never had it. You say, I've never known Jesus, but today I just want Jesus in my life today. I'm not a Christian, but I want to be. Pray for me. If that's you right now, would you just lift a hand wherever you sit? God bless you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray a prayer for you. God bless you. You can put your hand down once you've raised it. Anyone else, very quickly. Maybe online, maybe live stream. You need to pray this prayer with us today. We want to agree with you. And if you're here today and maybe you lifted your hand or you did not, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved right now. I come to you. I confess. I believe and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these that are pray today. God bless you.